0: Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached double
1: digits
0: for the podcast episodes. Chipper Jones in the house, number
1: 10. Here we <laughs> go. Fantastic. Brad, how are you doing today, sir? Good, man. How are you doing? Um, as you can see, I have a guest here in the studio today, Mr. David Wiggins Jr. How are you doing, David? Doing great. Good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Just flew in from New Orleans, so. Wow. Yeah, it's And, and the great weather, too, might I add, just pouring down the rain. Couldn't even go get the man's Chick-fil-A, so. Anyway, it's it's been sad so far. Going to have a great day tomorrow. We're going to shoot some videos with him. So um, take uh, make sure you're looking out for that when it comes out. Um, but, yeah, we're to have him in the studio uh, today because we're going to talk about some distance drivers, I think. Robbie, is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We have an incredibly – not only do we have a special guest
0: in David, we also – our other guest uh, who we are going to be talking with today – has a incredibly unique journey through disc golf so far, and is one of our older, I believe he's going to be our oldest guest that we've had on so far. So nice. excited to learn from him for some of our older listeners, uh, and I hope you guys can get a lot out of it. So without further ado, you want to just jump on in? Yeah, let's do it. Mr. Kevin Shorey, welcome to In welcome. The Bag. How are you doing today, sir?
2: Doing Great. Great to be here.
0: Fantastic. Kevin, so I, we got connected because I met your brother who's doing some really cool stuff up in Huntsville. And then we tagged up at, what tournament were we at?
2: That was a tournament that was a uh, Mastin Lake and um, not UAH. I didn't play that one. It was the Indian Creek. Rocket City. Right? Yeah.
0: City. Okay. So it was Rocket at the blast. City. Okay. Yeah. So, we tagged up there, I got to hear a little bit of your disc golf story, and I just felt like the more the more that I heard, it just had to be something that listeners had to hear. So, I am super, super pumped for you to share today, but before we dive into your story, we gotta make sure people know who you are as a player, sort of a deal, and I'm sure that even when we ask these questions, it's going to give them a little insight into what we're doing. So, uh, if you've listened before, you know that we start off with what is your, how long have you been playing, And then what is your controlled max distance right now?
2: So I started playing in, uh, 94, I believe had a couple of friends that, um, I thought really liked me and wanted to take me out and play disc golf. I found out that Innova was running a promo that if they took someone who actually went and played around, they got (laughs) a free t-shirt. So actually they got free t-shirts, so. No, we still play together. One guy comes back from Iowa. We play maybe twice a year. We have disc golf weekends. We get together. So they're great guys. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. That is so awesome. How far do you throw control distance right now?
2: So right now, I'd say 300 uh, right-handed. Um, and that's after, you know, post-injury. That's around 300. Um, before, I was throwing around 350 about a year ago. Uh left hand is about two eighty, two seventy, two eighty.
0: Okay, awesome. And because you throw right handed and left handed, do you have a forehand or do you just rely on sort of the backhand for both?
2: Uh I, I do have a bit of a forehand. I use it mainly for mid range up shots or if I'm trying to scramble. Um yeah, so I can throw it a bit. It's not as controlled, it's not as reliable as the other two.
0: Okay, awesome. And if we, yeah. so that's distance shots. If we put you on the putting green and we gave you 10 putters from 15 feet, 10 putters from 25 feet and 10 putters from 40 feet, how many are you making from each of those ranges?
2: 15 feet. I'm probably hitting about eight of those. Um, the farther I go back, uh, I'm really struggling right now with about, yeah, 40 feet just trying to figure out that last three or four feet of what the disc is doing is really giving me some trouble. So maybe two of those right now.
0: Okay. Awesome. David question for you as someone who has a lot of experience on the, on the highest competitive level, when we look, when you look at 40 footers as a touring pro, how many of those are you expecting to make if you have an uninhibited 40 footer, like, what should a good putting percentage be, would you say?
3: Uh, I, like, when I was in my primer currently, because I'm still a little rusty, I, I want to hit most of them. I definitely want to be um, probably closer to seven out of 10 in that range. Okay. Wow.
0: That's, a lot of that's pressure. awesome. So, yeah, that's and that's wonderful. Like that's when. So Kevin even mentioned trying to figure out what those putters do at 40 feet. Do you feel like that's where you start to really see the difference between putters in flight? Because I know a lot of people talk about inside the circle, most putters are going to fly somewhat the same. What, what range would you say you start to see those putters start to shape a little differently? Oh, this the stability of maybe this Casey Pro AVR is going to highlight over maybe a JK or something like that? I would
3: say I, I pretty much like my putter to stay on that straight line as is, is far out as I can step away from the circle. But as I'm pushing back towards a jump putt range, more like 45 feet, a little past 40, it starts getting some more shape to the line, maybe a little bit left and right as it starts tailing off. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the best advice for any putt would just be try to Keep it on that same consistent flight the whole way to the basket, and then you know if you don't have enough speed, it's going to start tailing off. So you got to start, you got that to start does. knowing your throw and the disc to see how it finishes. Yeah, ooh.
0: yeah, that's. I, I think that ooh, so much wisdom there, and knowing your throw, I think it's a reason why you can take really great putters and put any putter in their hand, and they're probably going to be able to correct it pretty fast because they know their stroke. Uh, as opposed to the beginner holding the disc. And they are like, well, you know what? I just put better with Lutis today, so I guess I got to put with Lutis. Uh And, yeah, so interesting. All right, so, Kevin, please let us know if you haven't figured it out by now, guys. It's because you apparently just didn't listen during that last little part. Kevin throws left-handed and right-handed, but due to an injury. So, Kevin, walk us through a little bit of your story, when the injury happened, what you were preparing for, And yeah, walk us through that injury up to today.
2: Yeah, I was playing, it was April, 2021. I was playing, uh, played a couple of tournaments. Uh, I won a couple of tournaments. I um, was averaging about, I don't know, 903 for those rounds right before the injury. Um, I qualified for the NADGT in Austin. So I was uh, pretty excited about that. And then I was, you know, trying to, trying to set that, what do I need to do between now and October to be able to, you know, be prepared to walk into that and feel like I was competitive. Uh, so I was playing a lot of disc golf and then a couple of my boys came back into town and, um, they, we all went out together and played three courses in one day. Um, and I started to feel a little bit of overuse but I've been playing sports my whole life, and I was like, I'm tough enough. I can make it through this. And then uh, went out with my wife. We went out to a course in Fort Worth that I was going to play a tournament on two days after that. Uh, my usual warm-up, two practice throws, whichever one was better. Take that one as the first throw for the beginning of the round. Uh, got to hold two, really bad shot. Then I had to go uphill. So I threw a huge spike hyzer uphill with a really tired shoulder. It felt like somebody stabbed me with a knife, except the knife was on fire. Um, So then, you know, I'm not stubborn at all. So I went to hole two and thought, well, now I'll just throw forehand and maybe I'll be okay like that. Tried that, the exact same thing. Um, Finished that hole. Found out that I could putt with no pain. I just couldn't do anything that had any kind of motion using that shoulder, got to hole four. I was turning white. I was feeling sick at my stomach. My wife says, Hey, do we need to go home? And I looked at her, you know, I I set my face toward Austin and I said, I've got another arm. (laughs) So I finished out the rest of the day playing left-handed off the tee and all my approach shots and stuff. And so the only thing I did after that was, you know, putting was right-handed everything else was left from there on out for a couple of months did some rehab got a cortisone shot those are not comfortable um mri showed there wasn't any serious structural damage so i just couldn't use it for about two months so that started playing left-handed
1: so interesting i've literally never heard that before No, I haven't been playing that long, but that's just pretty amazing. Yeah, the day of switching up?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, this one hurts. Let's uh, try this one. So you hadn't thrown lefty before that? Uh,
2: No. That's wild. No. I mean, you know, just occasionally to look stupid (laughs) trying to do something, but but never actually trying to actually do it. Yeah,
0: no. So how was it for someone that had been playing for 20 years – Uh, heading into that, was there frustration when you started throwing with your left arm or was it more so just out of that? Yeah. That necessity of, I really feel like I need to be playing right now. So we'll just make it work. Like what were kind of the thoughts and emotions when you started playing with that left hand?
2: I think because I had taken to playing like from the get go. um, And I loved it so much. And then coming back from living overseas for 12 years my brother retired from the army we both were able to play disc golf together for the first time uh you've met him he is so super into it we just like there was no turning back at that point and it was like okay i i can make this work i'll never be the same player but i can at least try to be competitive at this point and so I just determined that that was going to happen starting that day. Um, yeah, then I went and played two tournaments right after that, averaged 785. Um, uh, um, and that was, yeah, it was horrendous. Um, it was not a good idea. The thing I cannot do is to throw a forehand left-handed, and I won't even <laughs> try it anymore in front of people. Because when I did the first time, my wife doubles over in laughter <laughs> at me, not with me. And I was like, "No, this is not a thing."
3: So I can't do that either. That, we, we've done that as a joke with like some of, some of my pro friends and yeah. stuff like that. Let's, let's see, throw a lefty side arm, and it's always hilarious. No matter yeah. who does it, that it actually not- terrifies me <laughs> thinking
1: about that. Like, yeah, like who am I going to kill if I do this? Yeah, yeah. I get up. Yeah. I, I have filmed many videos left handed trying to show
0: like some mental techniques and whatnot. But yeah, and every single one of those, I grab the flippiest disc possible because, yeah, that exact thing. If like, nope, if we try to throw left handed, I'm pretty confident I'll never use my left hand again. Uh, like it will, it's going to like snap off or something. That's, that is super impressive. Well, fast forward, you go to the NADG championships, 99 people competing in your division and you played left-handed for six months leading up to that or for a few months leading up to that, where'd you place?
2: 83rd.
0: Not last. So that's great. That is so impressive.
2: That was the goal. Not last was the goal. Yeah. The expectations lowered a bit going (laughs) into that tournament.
0: That is totally fair. Well, Kevin, an inspiration. So anyone who is out there and you are – facing an injury i'm not going to be the one to tell you that you know what like you're a sissy push through uh and just be better but let kevin's story show you like where there's a will there's a way and so what we want to do is we want to talk a little bit about we have an incredible panel of people here i want to talk about when you were going through and rebuilding back up to that distance for your like trying to get that left-handed distance did you keep the same bag or did you kind of embrace some beginner principles and work with mid ranges and whatnot till you gained distance with your left hand?
2: No, I went ahead and I, like you said about using flippy discs, I did go to that end of the spectrum and thinking that that was the way to go. Um, And so I started out like with the Sapphire um, lightweight Sapphire that was Pretty flippy. Try to see what I could do with that. Um, I landed on the Hades after a while because it just it felt good in my hand and it was coming out and it was hyzering, but not as much as other things. I threw out the Zeus. I threw out the Destroyer. I threw out the Ballista Pro. Um, there was no way I was doing those when I threw them left-handed. It was like I was throwing a tilt, and it was just like, yeah, not even worth it. So I did go to that lighter weight, but I didn't. Um, I kept the mid-ranges the same. I think I was throwing a shark and, um, at the time, and so I had one that I'd use with my left hand most of the time, and that seemed to do pretty well. Um, but, yeah, it took a while to build up some of that. Man, the form was just all over the place. And um, the strange thing was the very first day, When I did it in my head, I just thought, just flip everything, do the footwork that you do for a forehand, right-handed, and then just try to see what happens. And it was actually a decent throw. And then somehow after that, it got in my head about grip and shoulders and feet, and then it it took quite a while to build it back up. Um,
1: So my question really quick for you, Kevin, is – Before we get into the distance drivers, I want to kind of ask you the same question that Robbie asked you about the distance drivers. So for your, like, throwing putters and your mid-ranges, do you feel like there's a lot of change there, or did you kind of lean on the same, like, slower discs in your bag left-handed?
2: Those really stayed uh, pretty much the same. Of course, the the stability is different to my left than my right. And I think as I'm trying to analyze this, it's the amount of spin I'm getting on the disc as well as the arm speed. And those two things combined to change the stability yeah. to make it where those numbers shift like one or two in the other direction.
1: Okay. Yes.
2: But they also the mid-range is pretty much stable. And stable. just
1: for our listeners out there, can you give us like an example? And sorry to stick on the putters and mid-ranges, Rob. I'm just very curious. Um, yeah. So like your your go-to stable, uh, stable approach to disc, what do you use?
2: Uh, I've got a Cax Z that I use, uh, um and it's like, I don't know, 5503, 5502, something like that, mm-hmm. and so when I throw it right-handed, um, it's, it's, it follows those numbers. When I do it left-handed, it's like it goes up a number in stability, okay, and it goes down a number in, say, glide, so it's just a different, a little bit different shape but it's the same disc. Interesting.
0: So what, what is, what is your like most over that? Is that the most overstable mid you had, you have in your bag?
2: Um, I've got a, um, trust that I recently picked up and that's probably the most overstable one. that's that I use the most in there. Okay.
0: Awesome. So do you find that, do you ever throw it with your left hand or is it a lot more utility with your left hand?
2: Oh, it's opened up so many lines now like I get to the disc and depending where the obstacle is the bush or the tree I can go patent pending left hand I can go forehand flick I can um, you know for those approach shots and so now when I look at it I have to remind myself sometimes hey you're left-handed so I can see that oh there's a gap up here That I'm not going to flick very well, but I can throw a left-handed shot that way.
0: Interesting. And
2: so I do. The mid ranges depend on what I have available to me. If it's wide open and I'm 150 feet out, 200 feet out, it's probably going to be a right-handed one, unless the wind dictates that I need to do a left-hand shot.
0: That is so fascinating, David. As someone who's traveled around a lot, do you do you ever play a course and think to yourself? I feel like a lefty designed this course.
3: Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. You always get to those courses that it's just like, why am I throwing a sidearm on half of these D shots? But you know, I'm sure it's the same way on the uh,
1: other side. So, and I think what's interesting about this too, and not to jump back to this, um, cause now I'm fascinated, Kevin, I have like a hundred questions, but I will save them for another time. Um, but I think what Robbie you know, just to kind of foreshadow what you're trying to highlight when we get into talk, uh, talking about the distance drivers is you know it this took a way too long for me to figure out just being an amateur player, but I could never f- I could never figure out why discs flew so much differently than I thought they were going to And obviously you you nailed it like the rotation's not there, the arm speed's not there it's actually changing how yeah. all of these discs are flying. And I think we have this nice like mirror image from the same person, which almost has never happened when you're throwing the exact same disc. But one arm's faster, one arm's slower. What does that do? So uh, just everyone that's listening, keep that in mind as we walk through. We're not going to talk a lot about putters and mid-ranges, but when we get to these distance drivers, I think it's going to be very interesting. I think as you go up, in, and correct me if I'm wrong, David, as you go up in speed, that those changes can be very drastic from a pro Definitely. to amateur player, yeah. especially when you're trying to get more distance. You know. Again, Rob, you said at the beginning, I – had in my mind that I've got a hyzer flip everything to get more distance. And I think from our Raptor episode that we did with a Raptor and felon, I found out very quickly, that's not how I'm going to get more distance. It's really going to be, what can I get out there that matches my arm speed and the, the glide and get it straight or even flex line versus like a, a hyzer flip line. So very, it's so thank you, Kevin, for being on. Cause it's extremely cool to have someone, the same person throwing the same disc but different have two different that's arms. Awesome pretty awesome so
2: yeah it feels like i've i've played for 25 years i've been playing for a year that that's and so going through that mental you know trying to figure out how to make things work it's it feels like i'm a brand new beginner but i'm also got the mindset of i know what it should do which makes it super frustrating when it doesn't Mm do
0: That's that's fair. So I want to I want to before before and we keep teasing y'all as listeners that oh but we're gonna dive in we're gonna dive in. I just guys there's so much to unpack here and I think it's so fascinating. We feel like we could do a whole series with Kevin from the mental side of things. You talked about when you step up to a shot, you have. You have to think about it from a, I can throw this left-handed line. I can throw this right-handed line now that you're, you have rehabbed that arm. You can throw a forehand. There are so many shots available that you have in your arsenal when you approach the course. Do you ever find yourself when you're on the course feeling a little overwhelmed because of that and feeling like you almost wish you all like you have too many options? Do you think that exists?
2: Yeah. I think sometimes I'll get there and I'll, you know, I'll take like three discs to my lie and go, okay, I've got options, which one. And I think what I'm learning to do, what's going to be the worst possible outcome and maybe avoid that one. If I've got some, some choices because I've made some catastrophic decisions before um, and I just think, okay, yes, I could do this if it all works, but I'm probably better off doing this other thing. So I can either try to hyzer flip it with my right hand and I can see the line in my head, or I can go around the tree to the left and that's a much better shot. But I I still trust my right more to do the, the best possible outcome than I do to trust my left to do the most probable outcome.
1: I think fair. I think that's like something I think I'm struggling with right now as my game's like becoming a little more consistent and growing a little bit more and I you know I'm I'm thinking I'm like looking at Simon Lazat, for instance, right? He he's like bombs everything, right? And he wasn't really winning a whole lot as of late, and then all of a sudden he's winning tournaments because he's like playing good golf, right? And I think and David um you know being you who can throw like a million feet. Um do you find it like do you find yourself wanting to play more conservative now that you're like back in it, trying to be competitive in the pro tour? Or do you, are you still just like, I've got to throw really far?
3: It's it's a tough question because, you know, throwing further allows you to do things that other people can't do. Right. So it also allows you to get in trouble other people can't get in. So right. you've, you've got to have that inner, you know, discussion with yourself. Like, yeah, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? Now that I'm stepping back in, I'm trying to be a little more conservative because my throws aren't, you know, mm-hmm. quite as dialed in as they have been in the past. So yeah, I would say that I'm trying to take off a little bit when I'm on the course competing. And I know there's some, some obstacles or some, some out of bounds out there because that's definitely uh the courses have changed a lot too, since I've played these big tour events yeah. and everything.
1: Right. And I think that, you know, that's relatable from a pro standpoint to someone like Kevin, who's been playing a long time, that now has a different game to someone like me, who's not been playing a long time. And is playing a different game. It seems like every week because of this podcast, I'm learning new things. It's like, you know, all the options are maybe not a great thing. Yeah. I, so a question I have for
0: David is when you're increasing your distance and you're getting distance. So Kevin, obviously when you started throwing left-handed, I'm guessing that round, you weren't throwing 300 foot shots off the tee with your left hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, No. So, uh, as you start gaining distance, I know players get out there and myself included, I fall into this trap. We start As we start seeing these distance gains, all of a sudden it's like you step up to a hole. Let's say you step up to a hole that you'll never forget that first time you threw a 300 foot shot with a putter, right? Like what a shocking moment that was. And for lots of listeners, you're like, wow, oh, that literally never been me. All right, cool. So dream with me a little bit. Step with me. Imagine a world you wake up tomorrow and you can throw your putters 300 feet just because you can throw that putter 300 feet david how did you keep yourself in check as you were gaining distance when you were stepping up to holes was it just as simple as oh i can throw this 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 distance so therefore i like i have to make a putter work or was that you talked about that discussion amongst yourself when is trying to push a slow disc too far a bad idea
3: Um, it, it depends on what style of play that you have, but in general, I would say pushing a disc too hard is going to hurt your accuracy. But saying that I tend to lean on slower discs like putters and rocks on wooded tee shots when I can, just because I have more control with them, keeping them on the line that I want to. Um, I grew up playing a lot of wooded courses, so I threw a lot of putters off the tee threw a lot of rocks off the tee, as far as my mids go, and uh, I just kind of developed that as my style of playing. And then, you know, as I started playing outside of North Carolina, you know, started moving to more open courses, and that, that changes things up for sure. And then you got to factor in wind into that equation. You know, a, a driver might fight the wind better in some circumstances, so mm-hmm. got to okay. weigh the
0: options. Yeah. Okay. Well, y'all, let's. No longer tees are amazing listeners. Let's talk about some distance drivers, shall we? All right. So the Hades, you talked about the Hades, the Hades you're throwing is your max distance disc for your left-handed shots, Kevin. Why do you like the Hades? What does the Hades do for you?
2: There's something that I found about the feel in my hand that was different than other discs that, are, uh, that felt differently in my right hand. And I discovered there's a imperceptible difference in the size of my left hand and my right hand, and it's probably from my whole life doing everything with the right hand and developing that and not the muscles in the left. And so it, some discs just don't fit right. Huh. So when I was trying to throw distance drivers that I threw with my right, they didn't work in my left. Somehow the Hades did seem to fit a bit better. Plus it was, I've got like four different Hades, and so that you know, I can flip them with my right hand at different levels. Well, I wasn't really flipping them with my left, but it was giving me different stabilities, and it was controllable. I think that was it was consistent, and it was controllable, and um, so that's where I kind of landed on that. With the right hand, now it's the grace. I've got four different molds of graces, and so those things fly great from my right hand. Yeah but it's a little bit wider. Um, I think it's 2.2. The Hades is 2.1 or something, I think. Um, but yeah, and then the other discs I have left-handed are smaller uh, rim widths as well because I just tend to fit my fingers better.
1: Okay,
0: yeah. That's. I mean, that's totally fair. I know a lot of people can struggle with the, the 13 and 14-speed rims just because of exactly what you're saying. It's so large in their hand. Whereas I have a, a player in my area who loves throwing those discs because he has really big hands. So he actually prefers those over the 11 speeds and whatnot because he feels like the 11 speeds, he like has
1: to have some weird grip on it. Brad, you're a Hades fan. What do you love about the Hades? Um, I have to like echo Kevin, what he said. You know, When I first started playing, I didn't know what I was trying to throw. Like I said, I, I think earlier on one of these podcasts, uh, the first discs I bought were about a, uh, a Roach. To putt with i bought a a z buzz because i mean because it's a buzz and then i bought a raptor because i had no clue what i was doing but you know as i experimented i was throwing a nuke nuke ss for a while um i'm not like a big guy but i do have bigger hands um i've been a drummer my whole life so that arthritis is creeping up in the knuckles a little bit so like the nuke ss was just really getting kind of uncomfortable um, and I don't even remember how I came across the Hades. I mean, I think I, I probably th- saw Paul Macbeth throw a ton. Um, felt some at the shop, uh, one of the local shops here, and it was it felt really good. So I started throwing it, and then I started getting into, you know, what's the difference between a first-run Hades and, like, a, a stock Hades now? And the first-run Hades is a lot more domey, and it has a ton more glide, in my opinion, than just, like, the stock-run Hades. So I just loved how it felt. And for me, at the time, it they were flying – stable to overstable for me. Again, my arm speed, I didn't have a 12 speed arm speed at the time. It was still, it was a pretty stable distance driver. I can make mistakes and it was a little more forgiving than like even the Nuke SS at the time. So I loved how it felt and it was a little a little forgiving. So I still have a bunch in my bag. Um, now I'm experimenting with a bunch of different weights of Hades, okay. um, versus like, you know, I have like an extremely flat topped Hades, but it's 160 grams. Um, and that is extremely flippy for me. Again, we had the episode earlier, Robbie, where we talked about the weight of the disc versus like you know the flight characteristics and how those uh, affect one another. So um, you know and then you know I have like the first run Hades, which in my opinion are more stable, obviously. So um, they're still in my bag. and if I'm being honest though, they're working their way out pretty much uh, at the moment because i found things that feel better that you know at an except like a 170 class weight, fly a little bit better for me. Again, I'm not hyzer flipping them, but they're staying pretty straight for longer for me before they hyzer out, which is great. Um, And I feel like I have a lot more control and accuracy. Whereas with the Hades, I can get distance. I mean, I can get out to the 350s with my Hades, but I feel like I really have to put a lot on them to get Mm. there.
0: Okay. David, when you started seeing some major distance gains or you started seeing some distance for you, what were the discs that you were leaning on when you really felt like, oh, like distance is starting to click for you? How
3: far back do you want to go?
0: (laughs) Hey, take us on the history book, man.
3: Okay. Um, When I first started throwing distance and focusing on throwing distance, my dad would take me out to a field and we would just do that during the winter when there wasn't tournaments. And I, uh, when I was nine, I set a distance record for the age protected age of nine with a champion orc. It, uh, 343 feet so the orc was my distance driver back then and uh, I think from there it went from the wraith to the boss eventually so I, I ended up throwing distance in the winter every year when I was a kid and I managed to break all the age-protected records up until the overall record but uh, you know as I started throwing further disc technology was also improving So that was kind of cool to have more options and to pick up a disc and throw it and be like, wow, this flies further than anything that I've thrown before. That's how I felt when the boss came out um, at the USCGC. I I think it was like 2010 or something like that. But um, until I picked up a boss, I felt like, you know, or when I did pick up a boss, I felt like nothing flew quite that far. And I've been an innova player since I was a kid, so that's that's what I can speak to. but as far as the distance drivers that I've thrown, I feel like it's increased ever up until the boss
1: okay yeah, yeah no David, do you want to in case our listeners aren't familiar, I know there's a lot of newer players and yeah. you just kind of come back on the scene. Would you remind everybody what your distance record is, please?
3: Yeah, I currently hold the overall men's
1: world distance record at eleven hundred and eight feet so that's one one zero eight. If you looked on the boss, you probably heard of him. <laughs> The the record and his signatures on the the Blizzard boss right now, so I, I can't even fathom what that looks like. To be honest with you, I feel like I give it everything I can give it, and I can break four hundred if I if it, like the moon's in the right like place in the sky and the Earth's turning at the right you know speed, and then maybe I can get four hundred. Yeah. So. When you, Kevin, you mentioned it on the, I, I love all of this. I
0: just want to go ahead and say, I love that it's the feel in the hand. And even David, you describing the Orc to the Wraith to the boss. It's when I've looked at like the end of a lineup, I've always considered like that to be the boss family. Uh, and I don't know why. I just feel like if you love it, and like we laugh because my brother and I, one of my brothers and I were like, you're not a Crawford if you don't love a Wraith. Uh, but our like middle brother, um, he is an orc fan through and through, like still puts an orc mm-hmm. in his bag still, to huh? this day. Uh, and so wow. as someone who's now in the disc golf scene, when I find orcs, I have to buy them for Jake because nice. it's like, yeah, <laughs> they're hard to come across these days. So yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he loves it. but I So that's so interesting to hear you say that. And I think that it's important for y'all to understand as listeners that that feel in the hand, we make fun of it as a meme. Like you can watch any disc review that exists on the internet. and They're going to be like, oh, yeah, it feels good in the hand. Just holds any line you want to put it on. Has a lot of glide. Feels like it never wants to hit the ground. And it just feels like it just goes where I want it to. Like those, it's bingo for Disc review, but like truly I would say when it comes to distance drivers, because there are so many options out there, don't feel like you have to make a distance driver work for you because someone has recommended it just like try the options and especially if you're not sponsored Like there is so much freedom that you have to get out there and just try so many different options. And a great place to check all those out is FoundationDisc.com. Just saying. I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. no sponsor, not sponsor, but uh, (laughs) FoundationDisc.com. Check it out. So when we were, you mentioned it early on, Kevin, uh, about you were, your Hades with your right hand, you could get them to flip. But with your left hand, they weren't flipping necessarily. So talk about what shot when you were throwing your Hades, what type of shot were you trying to throw with the Hades to get that max distance?
2: Well, with the right, it was, a you know, it was a flip to flat and glide, nice S turn to it, get it out. I had some pretty long throws with that. I've got a Saint, um, that I threw 407 one day. That was fun before the injury. Um, and then I've got the Hades with the left. It's just trying to figure out, you know, how far is that tree before I want to turn? And that's where the different stabilities come in. Uh, because I can't get it to actually turn over to make that, you know, there's a there's a lane and then the lane moves, so you need to move just a little bit. That's even a tough with a right-hand shot because you have to start it on a an hyzer and then get it to flip over. Uh, to make it through those and I was looking for that like left hand and get something that would go that way I never thought about the lightweight Hades as being an option until you just said that
1: yeah, yeah. it's uh yeah it's it's incredible and you know Robbie and David forgive me if I'm speaking out of turn here I'm still very new at this um but it seems like to me my new mindset and this is probably why the Hades is coming out of my bag is I'm trying to find a disc that matches me more than me trying to make a disc do something I want it to do, you know, whatever it's stamped on that disc. I like the Hades. I'm always like, I'm looking at, I'm like, you're supposed to be flipping. You should be flipping for me. It's just not flipping Mm -hmm. for me. And now I find myself, and I'm just letting that disc be what it is. And like, maybe one day I'll throw it that way or get a lighter version of that disc. And like, I find myself going down in speed, you know, the distance driver I'm loving right now is the Era, um, by Finish Line. But it's, it's, a, it's very similar as far as like the turn and fade, but the speed is much less. And I find myself, I don't, you know, that Hades, again, i going to have to put so much on it to get it to fly the way that I want versus the Era, I'm able to just hit it comfortably at like 80% power, get more distance, but I feel like I have way more accuracy. And I'm feeling like the thing I'm missing right now is not distance, it's accuracy personally. I mean, obviously I need the distance but I want accurate distance versus if I can throw 350 accurate every time versus hitting 400 every once in a while, and that, that's kind of what I want right now. Amen. And I full on and with you,
0: I one one gripe that I had when I was putting turns in my bag from Innova is that I would describe a turn like a beat in a Wraith if, like out of the box. But the, the hard part for turns was I felt like when I threw turns, I wanted them to be super flippy. So I had to find this range. If I could put them on enough hyzer that they would get to flat, but they wouldn't turn and create that flex line. But also if I like the difference between this much hyzer and this much hyzer felt like the difference between a great shot and a roller. And I was like, Absolutely. this is yeah. when, but then I stepped out to other options and I tried the wave by MVP and the wave. I could I didn't feel like I was flirting with disaster every time I threw the disc. And when you're doing that and you're trying to make a disc just work for you rather than finding one that works, like that when you're trying to make the disc work rather than finding one that fits you, like Brad said, you're going to lose that confidence on the T box. And if you're pulling a disc out of your bag, that every time you're like, huh. Ah. I just don't know. Like that is why we have the catchphrase that we do here. Like if it's not good, take it out of the bag because we, you don't need that in your life. There
1: is other options out there that are going to give you better results. And what's, what's funny, Kevin is I was doing the exact same thing as you, which tells me, and I like your flirting with disaster comment, Robbie, but you know, I have four Hades in my bag and they all fly differently. And like, I feel like, you know, for me personally right now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing for everybody, but for me personally right now, like I'm going to convince myself that I need something a little – I'm going to need that this Hades versus that one. I'm going to throw a bad shot, and I'm going to never throw that one. I'm not going to throw that one again for six months, whereas um, I'm more comfortable switching to a different mold now for different stability and different shot shape than trying to get all of them out of one mold just because I felt comfortable. And again, this podcast has helped me do that. I've stepped out of my comfort zone and said, okay, I am going to throw this era. I am going to throw. And again, I, I discovered it, you know, when Hunter was on a couple episodes ago with us. Um, but, you know, I love the vulture, yeah. you know, and I didn't realize how much I love it. But it's a 10 speed that has a stability that I really was trying to get from the Hades. But the vulture, again, I don't have to hit it as hard. And it's going to stable up at the end like I want it to. So,
0: so. David, before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about max Mm -hmm. distance shots. And you had some, you had a really interesting statement that I don't think exists on the internet. Like I've watched a lot (laughs) of, I've watched a lot of distance videos, um, and I teach a lot of beginners. And so when I teach beginners, I like, I literally have a video out there that says the easiest way to get max distance is a hyzer flip because I feel like for beginners, it's like that exists and it doesn't cause you to have too stable of a bag. But when we watch the Mm -hmm. pros throw these huge distance shots, very rarely do I feel like they're throwing these hyzer flips to get those max distance shots. So can you walk me through sort of the progression of when the hyzer flip stops becoming your max distance shot? And when the flex shot exists, and you even said something along the lines of "It looks like we're forcing them over, but we're not." Expound yeah, on that. Yeah, definitely.
3: Please. So, and it, it also depends, you know, are you talking about on the course or off the course? Because you're going to see different selection there as well. Because a max drive on the course, we're going to be throwing discs that we're confident that we can place them where we want to, which is generally going to be not the most understable high-speed driver that you can get to flex out. It's going to be one that you can fight with the wind and that you know is going to hyzer out at the end. So um, that brings another point, which is weight, when you're talking max distance drivers. A lot of people just assume, you know, I'm going to throw a max weight disc and it's going to go the max distance or something like that, which is 100% not the case. in In our bags on the course, you will see mostly max weight high-speed drivers just because they, they tend to be more consistent and more overstable, and that's what I'm throwing on the course. But if I go and step out into a field, I'll uh, I'll go and lighten up by maybe six or eight grams. I know Brad mentioned switching up the weights of a disc, and I think that's excellent advice for somebody trying to improve distance because even for even for me at the speeds that I throw a disc at, a max weight, high-speed driver is not the furthest flying one. It's going to be – in the mid to upper 160 grams if there's no wind involved. So you're just trying to basically find the sweet spot of momentum and gravity fighting the momentum and your arm speed. So there's going to be a sweet spot where everybody has a certain weight that they actually throw the furthest under ideal conditions. So I know that was kind of all over the place. No, no, it's totally – um, I can get into the lines yeah. too. Talk me, um, talk to
0: me about that forcing, like because if I were so like if a mere mortals, we get out there and we try to throw a Halo Destroyer, mm-hmm. right? Like it super overstable, and yet you watch the pros, y'all get out there and you throw them, and it's like that thing is f- either flipping up to flat or they're th- you're throwing it flat, and we're seeing some turn out of it, and it's like, bro, that is. If I threw a pro destroyer, it might look like that. Much less <laughs> a Halo destroyer.
3: Yeah. And and that's just that just comes with the arm speed and the way the disc acts when it's going that fast. Um, if you if you slow down these these high speed throws, the disc is wobbling out of the hand. I don't care whose hand it comes out of. It's it's not coming out perfectly flat, and you know you're you're getting weird. Um, effects from the wind and everything. And it tends to make it more understable or air resistance or whatever you want to call it. And that, that immediately, you know, it's not a, it's not a linear relationship between speed and the stability of a disc. As you, as you gain maybe 10 miles an hour, that disc might flip over a lot quicker. So you'll, you'll see that happening. And, you know, that's why you can't just pick up the same disc and expect the same flight. You got to tailor your game or your disc to your
1: exact game if you want to expect to get the best distance out of it. Yeah, and even though it's not a, like a linear equation, it seems like, and again, just from my just trying to week over week do this in like a scientific method sort of thing, it's like when you really find a disc that is has the appropriate amount of speed coming out of your hand, the appropriate amount of spin, it really... It, it it just to me visually comes out of your hand differently like it just seems so much quicker mm-hmm. um, that's what i always even like you know a hun- hunter and trevor who throw farther than me and harder than me right um just the way it, or watching brody when i got to watch him play here when we we're shooting videos like the way it comes out of his hand it's like a rocket compared to how it just comes out of my hand and i'm just like how do you even do that well i think part of it is like you said, the disc weight matters a lot and the right arm speed really matters. And I'm like, I'm never going to throw a disc like Brody Smith or throw a disc like you. But if I can find something like even diamonds, like I had like a little bit of shame throwing a diamond. But that diamond, I can throw it all over the place because it matches my arm and my play a lot better. So I think it's more about and what's interesting, Kevin, about your arm where you're having like these two different. You have this 25, year, uh, 25 year old experience on one arm and then like a new sort of player on the other arm maybe that's the key to unlocking some more distance with that left hand is finding some lighter discs that are maybe slower speed and they're going to fly a little bit more accurate instead of trying to get all these flights out of one disc and just hoping to find those crypto discs like we call them or like the unicorn discs and like because for me i was so worried all the time about losing this first run like super heartbeat domey Hades that I had that I would even elect not to throw it like over like these, like over water and things like that. And I'm getting bad shots and like, I'm relying so much on one disc versus being able to grab something and throw it. So maybe that's, you know, something to consider Kevin, as you're looking for distance and with all the advice that Robbie and David just gave you, like maybe, maybe, slip down that scale, maybe try some slower speed disc and maybe lean on different molds, like out, out, off the shelf to give you kind of the same sort of lines. So my, my last question, Kevin would
0: be what has been that disc with all that said, has there been a disc that you threw with your left hand that you were like, man, I just feel like this was made for my left hand. It doesn't have to be a distance driver. Has there been a disc so far that you put in your left hand and you were like, yep, I could, I'm going to throw this forever.
2: Um, I feel like recently I picked up a Hawkeye and, uh, and then I've got a, a, mentor and those are two pretty reliable and they don't do what they say they're supposed to do. But with my left hand, they do what I need them to do. So that's been uh, a couple that i yeah, I can pull them out and say, okay, I'm pretty sure I know what this flight's going to look like here. Oh. Um, that's felt pretty good. But yeah, that, uh, the one I just go to consistently, um, I've, I've tried passion with my left hand and it's just not, um, I'm not sure if my right hand, that's the one I'm, I'm leaning on that in a grace. My left hand is that, that Hawkeye, that, um, Hades in the different stabilities. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm intrigued to try a lighter, a lighter weight one. Um, yeah, I'd encourage see, that you to uh, flip for me because that would be kind of fun.
1: Yeah. And, um, Kevin, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you out an, uh, an era by finish line. I really want you to try that disc and tell me what, how you feel about it on your left hand.
2: Cool. Yeah, I'll do that. I'm also going to say that I also throw a boss, um, but it's for my 200 foot shots because it gets to the ground so fast and it skips half a mile (laughs) that, uh, it, it's very specific and I've had it in my bag for about 20 years for that exact reason. So, yeah, it seems like David and I are both throwing bosses about, you know, about the same amount of time here.
0: Yeah, that <laughs> is awesome. Yeah, That's for, good. I mean, different time shots, you know, like maybe maybe one day you'll throw it for your 1,000-foot shots, and we'll let David still throw his 1,100-foot 1, shots. It'll be perfect, you know? If I go back
2: to Bailey, and there's a really big wind behind me, then, yeah, I went out to Bailey last year, then, then maybe I could do that if there was a big storm coming through. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Right off the top of the bat, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Kevin, seriously, thank you so much for coming out. And I just, it is an inspiration uh, to see someone like just look at adversity and say, "Hey, I I can push through on the other side." And it sounds like even create a deeper understanding of the game and a deeper appreciation of the game, uh, rather than taking something and looking at it and being like, "I'm injured, life is out to get me." oh well and just throw your hands up uh and defeat so thank you kevin for fighting through and thanks for coming on man we really appreciate you
2: yeah that uh the shorter distance has made me have to get better at my putting because i used to be able to lay, lean on the distance for my age division and now i my putting so i rock, i watched some videos um some guy named robbie c had some stuff out there which really helped with Never the mental one. part of the game that was really good so uh yeah it was really it's really been helpful and that part's been getting better but it does it I would say you can do it anybody can start throwing left handed to a certain level and uh, and it opens up the game it's, it's really it makes it a lot more fun disc golf is fun
0: that is awesome amen That's well true. Kevin we really appreciate you man thank you for coming on and uh we will look forward to having you on, hopefully, for one of our recap episodes to hear how the arrow works for you.
2: Awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, guys.
0: Yeah, sir. We'll awesome. see you soon.
1: Thanks, Kevin. Nice to right. you. Have a good one.
0: I, I, I told you I was excited for Kevin to come on as a guest, and just what a fascinating story of truly, like, yeah. well, I haven't, like, are
1: we going home? No. Nah, I got another arm. Yeah. <laughs> right there. Yeah. I can't. I I can't believe it's real. I I, I was kind of like expecting to get pranked on this or something, but no. This is a real guy, and good for him. I mean, I don't know what he does for like his day job, but that employer is probably pretty lucky if I had to guess. That guy's not going to quit on I, anything. Man,
0: I have I have literally left around before at nine holes because I got to the turn and I was like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm like I'm playing poorly. I'm up. Uh, no. No, he's just pushing through. That is so cool. Well, Kevin, you are an inspiration, and I hope y'all as listeners enjoyed that. And, David, we are super, super grateful for you coming on, man. I know uh, we have one question we want to ask you because we feel like you're in the room, and this podcast is all about
1: helping equip people. So, Brad, fire away. Hopefully anybody that's listening is, as a newer player who is now – I, I say I'm at the part of my game where I can start gaining some distance or I want to gain some distance but controllable. What's mm-hmm. your biggest tip for someone like me who's played maybe less than two years that's really trying to break that, like, 350 mark but with, with accuracy? What's your tip for that? I,
3: I give a lot of players advice that the, the fundamentals of weight transfer are a huge part of throwing far, just transferring as much energy throughout your body into that disc, and a lot of that comes from the legs. So a a drill I'll do is basically taking some steps off of your run-up and just practicing the footwork of that final drive-through and weight transfer on the throw, and then add some steps and add some speed back to it. Because when I throw distance, my legs get tired before my arm, believe it or not. Wow, okay. (laughs) So that tells you where a lot of power is coming from. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay, that makes sense. So you're saying take instead of worrying about that xep and that huge run-up that everybody is looking for, you know, you're just really focusing. Get that
3: timing down with the weight transfer and then add speed to it. Gotcha. Instead of just running up and slinging it, which it looks like I do sometimes. (laughs) But the timing's all put together. Yeah, right. And it also allows you to go out and throw more without tiring yourself out.
1: Right. And is it accurate to say that through this type of practice, you know, I come from a baseball background, is it like – you know you're you're getting your power from your back leg when you're trying to to hit far like when you're trying to hit a ball far is that the same type of weight transfer i'm looking for like that rotation or is it is it different
3: no it's i mean it's a different move but you're right on par with saying that you know it's that all that weight is moving from the left leg to the right leg my plant foot mm-hmm. when i'm when i'm going in to throw the disc so
1: okay that's good it helps me visualize that a little bit to have something comparable Mm -hmm. to like think about when i'm doing it yeah i definitely have noticed that um i actually i had a couple fractured ribs over the winter from jujitsu and i couldn't throw hard i couldn't do the run-up but i actually felt like when my ribs were healing and i slowed everything down and i made everything more compact i was throwing a lot farther than what i was trying to do and just chuck it so it's very interesting to think about that you know And, you know, I'm finding a little bit that everything I thought about throwing far is exactly the opposite. So maybe that's some good advice, too. Slow down, watch people like David, watch people like Brody and Ezra out there just throwing bombs all day. And then if you really sit down and probably slow you all down in slow-mo, we'll see exactly what you're talking about. 100%.
0: Uh, Speaking of slowing down, things aren't slowing down at the Foundation Warehouse. What's new in the warehouse this week, Brad?
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, We just put all the Discraft Ledgestone stuff on sale, did some mystery boxes, and I was busy all day today doing that. Um, Barely got to the airport in time to pick up david so luckily you know we got that done so uh, all of our ledge stone throughout the year all of it is like extremely discounted please go and there's a lot of great discs to check out check out those this will still be up uh, by when this airs uh, also we have uh, some new trilogy we have some ricky uh, orbit felons that just came in we have some really cool bottom stamp culprit judges and mercies that have like tiny oh, skull, skull bottom stamps? yeah those are yeah. pretty cool so, um, that stuff's going up this week. Um, you know, the usual, I don't know if we'll have the end of a restock in time for this area, but, uh, make sure you te- check out the boss, you know, David's boss, check out the turn, check out. I really did like the turn and that that's over my thrasher and I love my thrashers, but the turn has given them a run for their money. I keep, every time I throw a bad throw with the thrasher, Robbie, I'm like, I'm, I'm booting you guys for the turn. They're going in the bag, I'm, uh, you know. So, you know, uh, Innova restock will be up soon. Um, MVP restock went up last week. There's still a lot of great discs in there too. So, a lot of great stuff at FoundationDiscs.com. Make sure to go over and check it out.
0: Well, y'all, we appreciate you listening, David. Can't say it enough. Thank you for coming on. You are welcome back. Yeah, thanks anytime. For me. Uh, I I think you are coming to my neck of the woods in August. Are you playing the Magic City Mega Bowl?
3: I am, actually, yeah. So looking okay. forward to going well, out there.
0: If you're looking for a tour guide of Inverness, uh, I am, Definitely. I, I, it's my home course. So I am All right.
1: happy to show
0: you around. We'll come. We'll film a video, have a good time with it.
1: Yeah, so. I'll take you up on that. Yeah, oh, uh, last thing. Whoever comments, happy birthday to Robbie. The first person to comment, happy birthday, Robbie. in the comment is going to get assigned David Wiggins boss, by the way. So make sure you do that right now. Comment, happy birthday to Robbie. Robbie, happy birthday. Sorry, oh, I missed you. it. Happy thank birthday. You're
0: hey, so good. You know, we, we celebrate with America. It's the same day. So uh, <laughs> I'll always remember that. That's great. Come on. Well, hey, we appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening. And remember, if it's good, keep it in the bag. We'll see y'all next time.